Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Kelly Wisness. Hi, this is Kelly Wisness. Welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. We're pleased to welcome Dr. Gary Cooper, the co-founder and CEO of Reaply, a tech company that enables Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, and universities to better visualize, quantify, and utilize their physical resources. He also serves on the boards of directors of P33 Chicago in 1871 and the investor team at Long Jump Ventures, of which he is a founding partner. Previously, Dr. Cooper served on the faculty of Northwestern University and facilitated supply chain and performance improvement for enterprise businesses at Ernst & Young. Dr. Cooper has published in high-impact, peer-reviewed international journals and holds a U.S. patent. He has a Ph.D. in neuroscience from Northwestern University, a certificate in management from the Kellogg School of Management, and a BS and BA in mathematics and chemistry from Indiana University. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Cooper, to discuss creating a circular economy in healthcare. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, great. Well, let's just jump in today, shall we? Um, can you tell me sure. what Replay does and, and how does it work? Yes, it's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> so um, the way Replay works is it's a technology platform that creates reuse within a large kind of multi-location organization. So we really focus on reuse. If you think about, you know, your sustainability training back in elementary school of reduce, reuse, recycle, we really focus on reuse and build technology for reuse for organizations. And why that's so important is you can imagine in, in, in places like Google or in places like in hospitals, um, there are many locations with many physical things, whether they be consumable products, whether they be, you know, capital equipment. And, you know, if one person's in one building, do they actually know what the things are available in all the other buildings? Um, and so because they don't have that visibility, what we tend to see is that folks order things that they shouldn't. Um, and then other folks potentially throw away or store things that they shouldn't. So really kind of brings everyone together at an organization and connects them to the physical products that are already available internally that they can use for their work so they don't have to purchase things ex- externally. Um, and then we also then help when those items internally become end of life, whether they be you know hospital beds, whether they be even something as mundane as furniture, at some point, everything becomes end of life for an organization. So where does it go? And so then our, also our platform connects to lots of businesses, lots of recycling organizations, so that we also manage the disposition of the item. So really what Reapley tries to do in organizations, kind of bringing it all together, is we like to create internal reuse, and then we just try to extend the life of every single item so that nothing goes to waste. And then from a sustainability perspective, we measure how much carbon are we saving to organizations? How much waste are we diverting? How much money are we saving? So they can report those things um, for their sustainability ESG uh, reports. Wow, that is very interesting and sounds like a very needed service. Um, Well, what is your background and why did you create Reaply? 
Yeah, it's so, uh, you know, my, my mother always laughs. They're like, wow, neuroscience into sustainability, not something I saw coming. Um, <laughs> so, so I have, a, you know, my background is, um, you know, a science nerd. So I spent ooh, more than 15 years in a lab, you know, working on um, a therapeutic measure to for to disease modify idiopathic Parkinson's disease. So I was really working on and continued to help Northwestern towards finding a cure. Um, and um, I can kind of get into the details of what my research was about, but I happen to be in the largest and probably most well-funded lab at Northwestern when I was a student there, a PhD student there. And I would go to lunch with you know other graduate students from other labs on my floor and you know they would always say things like man if i had that antibody if i had that piece of equipment if i have that fill in the blank i would be able to do i would be able to pilot these experiments i would be able to try these different techniques um but i don't and i would be sitting there at lunch thinking wow we have that kind of stuff in our back room in a refrigerator or freezer somewhere and we're not even using it so just connecting the dots, you know, I wasn't thinking about starting a company. I just started a, a sharing program at Northwestern. So I got a cart. It's kind of a famous cart now. Um, and I would pile things that we no longer needed in our lab onto this cart. And I would, you know, once a month or so, push it around the floor that I was on at the hospital and just redistribute the things that we weren't using to other labs who could make better use of them. People love that. And um, when I left my uh, my postdoctoral fellowship at the hospital, I went into a supply chain consulting uh, for Ernst and Young and in the, in the life science and biotech space. And you know, two three years into my consulting career, I would still get emails from people at Northwestern like, "Hey Gary, where's the cart? Where's the cart?" And I haven't seen you in a long time. You know, messages like this. And I would think, I don't know. I haven't been there in three years, you know. <laughs> right. um, I don't know where this card is. <laughs> but, you know, one night I was um, with one of my best friends, who's our, uh, one of my co-founders and chief product officer. And I just got one of these, another one of these emails to my cell phone. And I said, you know, we should just build out some type of platform where you don't need this card. You don't need one person. It doesn't have a single point of failure. It's a program. You know, large organizations that buy billions of dollars of physical things each year should have some type of program where they're trying to maximize the utilization, visibility of the things that are sitting all around their campus, of which they're paying rent for, and then have easy pathways that um, where you can get rid of these items when you no longer need them in a in a eco-friendly, sustainable way. And so um, we got started working on that concept seven and a half years ago. And, you know, a year into nights and weekends and just thinking and talking to folks, you know, a company was born and the I, and I didn't know anything about circular economy or I didn't really know too many things actually about sustainability. I, again, I was a neuroscience guy who had spent three and a half years thinking about supply chain issues, but I had enough horse sense and enough training to know that the problem that we saw at Northwestern was pervasive in every medical research center and probably every hospital. Um, and so we got working on that in 2000, uh, November 1 of 2016 and haven't looked back. Yeah, that, that really does sound like a needed service. And you really did kind of bring something to the forefront that was certainly needed. 
Um, can you tell us more about your partnership with Alina Health? Absolutely. So I love Alina Health, and it's one of my favorite uh, to talk about. So Alina Health in Minnesota is a not-for-profit healthcare system, um, which is both in Minnesota and Wisconsin, if I if I'm, uh, uh, remember correctly. And, you know, just like a lot of different organizations, they had to close several locations. They had to remodel certain locations. And what that causes is where do things go when we shut that building down? You know, do we just sell them off or could people within our own system be able to reuse those items? And so we kind of intercepted when they were uh, closing down a few locations, which is always a good place to kind of start a reuse program because you can get people excited about the things that they can uh, kind of take off the platform and reuse and, and really kind of get that kind of almost internal network effect going. So we started a pilot with them and that pilot has actually won a couple awards, but, um, and we have a, we have a case study um, published on our website at reapley.com in our, in our resource library library, but in, but at a high level uh, in a few short months, we were able to divert, I think 6,228 pounds of um so-called waste from landfill or incineration, we were able to help them save over $80,000 in procurement costs in just a month or so with two buildings. I mean, this is really a restricted pilot. And this is all equivalent to something like 60 tons of paper um, or 17 tons of metal were recycled as well as a part of this program. So it's... If, you know, all of your listeners and everyone who's ever worked inside a medical center or a hospital understand that you have to buy and purchase things in a preventative way, right? You never really want to run out of things when you need them. But that only creates a scenario that you already you always typically have too much. And so then the question is, well, when we start shutting down buildings or remodeling spaces, what do we do with the stuff that we've already purchased in too much? And so... We were able to show with Alina how, how to do that at scale at a, at a hospital system or a healthcare system. And so I'm, I'm happy to also to announce that we've moved that small pilot to be fully uh, adopted across the Alina healthcare network. So now they have reuse across their entire healthcare system. They're a leader in this space and you know, really, really excited for, for other hospital systems to really take that lead and, and kind of integrate a reuse program campus-wide. Well, congratulations on that. That sounds like a, a great partnership and what a very successful pilot you had with them. Yes, and we and we also just love them. <laughs> They're amazing. and <laughs> That um, always helps, and, doesn't you know, it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, how do you see circularity evolving in healthcare? Yeah, so I, I kind of think of like two main goals. So I think one goal that, that COVID and the pandemic um, illuminated was how fragile our forward logistics and sub- global supply chains are. You know, it was a tremendous, I think, miss that in the middle of healthcare professionals on the front line fighting the unknown, you know, virus of COVID, they were having to find trash bags. They were having to do crazy things to find ventilators. And so what we were able to do... He- in Chicago with Mayor Lightfoot was we use our technology, which is again, bring circularity or reuse 
to an organization or a system, we were going to use our technology to create um, PPE uh, marketplace or sharing program citywide. So if you were, you know, if you were a um, tattoo artist, a veterinarian, right, and you didn't need your PPE or your ventilator for a dog or for doing a tattoo, but maybe someone on the front lines could, we created a system under which that could work in Chicago. And in 60 days, we were able to move 200,000 pieces of PPE that were not sourced from, you know, Walgreens or Amazon or, or, or a vendor, but were sourced locally. And wow. so it really kind of showed how, like, you know, and even in a crisis scenario, the power of being connected, of knowing who has what and when, and that's kind of really the power of circularity. But when I think about not in kind of, you know, the kind of pandemic time, but in a more steady state time, the power of circularity for a hospital is kind of threefold. One, like with the Alina, it's going to help you reduce your costs. You know, every, you know, one of my, my, my advisors told me every hospital is a billion, billion dollar business. So when you're spending nearly a billion dollars plus each year, the question is, if we can just actually spend less than 1% or 2%, tremendous savings, right? So the first thing we talk to hospital and healthcare systems is about circularity internally in a steady state scenario will help you save money. Second, and near and dear to our hearts, is around our global climate fight. Um, I'm speaking at COP27, the, the UN's big conference, where we're convening, you know, over almost 200 uh, country leaders and, and CEOs to talk about how do we get to uh, our 2050 goals or the goals set in Paris. Um, during the Paris Agreement. Well, one thing is that every single organization has to reduce their carbon output. And so one way to do that is through circularity. And so we actually measure if you're being circular, if you're reusing items um, on our platform, how much carbon you're actually pulling out of the system. And thus you can kind of report that to your overarching sustainability goals. And then lastly, and maybe, maybe um, something that people don't think about is just the items that go to landfill. The really important thing about the linear economy, the one that we're in right now, which is where we take things, uh, we, we take material out of the, the earth, we make something with it, we sell those products, and then when we're done with those products, we we dispose them into the ground. So it's very linear. Um, the problem is we we're running out of material. <laughs> Every single year, something called Earth Overshoot Day, the day of which we've used all the natural resources the Earth produces for a year, moves up in the calendar. This year was early August. Um, and each year, it, you know, it, it moves up further. So really, we have to be able to reuse and recycle the things that we have above ground much uh, at a much higher clip. And circularity is um, a, it positions any kind of business model or or economic model to be able to do that. So really just kind of in sum, I think in the kind of pandemic kind of crisis scenarios, um, uh, circularity is a is an, is an operating model to kind of connect supply to demand in a very important way. But even in a steady state scenario, when you think about reducing costs, when you think about reducing waste and carbon, it's such an important play. And so, you know, one of our visions at Reapley 
or a vision at Reapley is circularity for every business. Because if every business can be circular, what the Ellen MacArthur Foundation has shown is that we're going to be able to reduce our global greenhouse gas emission tax by 55%. More than moving everything to renewables, more than going to electric, electric on everything. So if every organization can be circular, we'll get over halfway to where we need to be by 2050. Wow, that is really insightful. Thank you. And what are your main goals? Yeah, so one of our main goals, it starts with making, you know, as I said, circulate for every business, but how can it be local? How can it be accessible and equitable? So one of the things that we're doing at Reefly is trying to set up reuse marketplaces or local reuse marketplaces like we did with the, the PPE marketplace like I described with Mayor Lightfoot here in Chicago. So if I am a hospital in uh, Minnesota and I no longer need fill-in-the-blank item. I can post it on this platform of trusted local businesses and donate them or sell them um, to people who might need it. If no one needs it there, then there are local recyclers and liquidators and disposition partners who can take those items for me. So like just thinking of the first thing we have to do is make it so accessible that it's easier than the trash, right? There is an ease to throwing things away. I mean, bigger things are kind of hard to throw away. Um, you can't just you know put them out back. But what we're trying to do at Reaply is think about in every location, can we find a way that technology can drive waste management and not just the dumpster? That's kind of one thing. The second is, if we're able to do that, circularity in every community has been shown to create 20 to 30x or multiple more jobs than recycling or waste management. Because if you can think about it, right, instead of throwing away a hospital bed or throwing away a machine, if someone had to come pick that up, if someone had to repair it, repolish it, resell it, and then ship it to the person who bought it, you created four to five jobs just in that value chain I just described. So, it, so there's a 20 or 30x more jobs if, if, if local organi- uh, of local towns and cities adopt circularity and the businesses within them do so. So that's something that we kind of talk about is like bringing circularity, making it accessible to every city um, and being a jobs program and not necessarily just being about sustainability or about being eco-friendly. I think important, though, in that strategy and going to different cities in the United States is thinking about the communities that are left behind. Because where our landfills are, so where trash normally ends up, because less than 5% of things that you actually recycle are recycled. So where most of the trash ends up are in communities that are black and brown folks, that are communities that are in our poorest areas. Those are where the landfills are. And quite frankly, those are where the, 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 the most penal health outcomes are as well. And so... The other really amazing thing about circularity is that it has not only a jobs program, as I previously described, it can also be kind of an indirect healthcare one so that we're not sending trash and we're not sending toxins to communities that are left behind in our cities. We're actually sending value. And then lastly, um, one of the things that we're focused on is I, I, I really sincerely hope that the exercise that we got um, with COVID-19 was one that we won't see again, but I'm not planning that that will be the case. And so as we think about being more resilient 
as a society and being more resilient in whatever town or city that you live in, we just have to be more connected. People have to be connected. We can't have, you know, um, public health officials coming on a phone line asking people just to call in if they have a ventilator or if they have a couple spare pieces of PPE in the middle of a crisis. So we have to figure out how to be more resilient to something like COVID-19 from a response perspective in the future. And we at Reapley, given the work that we've done in the past, think that starts with being connected. And so, you know, the hospital, all hospitals being connected to each other in some way, hospitals being connected to local medical schools, medical schools being connected to you know, businesses and so forth and so on. And we think a connected community is more resilient to um, to pandemic like uh, events in the future. So those are some of our main goals as it pertains to circularity um, in healthcare. Wow, those are some really good examples. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Cooper, and for sharing your valuable insights and knowledge with us. Oh, thank you. And, if and you know, it's, it's such important that um, I think people walk away with just really a clear understanding of circularity and the circular economy. So I just want to really repeat that the circular economy is just one that's regenerative. It, it doesn't presume that we have to dig things out of the ground and make products with them that we then at some point bury in the ground again. The circular economy says we have enough stuff above ground if we just use and reuse it um, over and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, and then that regenerates natural resources. And so what we're trying to do at Reapley is just build a technology infrastructure for any organization who wants to be a part of the circular economy to be able to do so very easily. Okay. And Dr. Cooper, if someone wants to connect with you or learn more about Reapley, how best can they do that? Oh my gosh, please connect with us. <laughs> we would love to talk with you. We, we will, uh, we, one of our, our, our chief value props that our core values at Reapley is to be helpful. Um, so we would love to be helpful just even if it's just educationally. So please reach out to me. Actually, you can reach out directly to me. So I'm Gary, G-A-R-R-Y at Reapley, R-H-E-A-P-L-Y.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm a power LinkedIn user. So I'm just Gary, G-A-R-R-Y Cooper um, on LinkedIn. Um, you'll see my smiling face. But if you want to just know more information about Reapley um, before connecting with me or one of my team, just go to Reapley.com. We have a whole library of all our case studies of other companies and other businesses like Alina who's, who's doing it right, quite frankly. And mm-hmm. uh, feel free to learn from the, the folks that, that, that we are championing. And we'd love to talk with you. That sounds great. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. Until next time. This concludes our episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help protect and optimize revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.